Our songwriting guest on this episode kind of had his life all planned out. He was going to teach, he was going to coach, he was already in college and well on his way to that life until one night he caught a concert in his college town by a then still up-and-coming country artist by the name of Eric Church, and things changed. I'm Tom Maley, and this is Write You a Song. As you're about to hear, Ray Fulcher had no dreams on ever becoming a songwriter or a singer. Those aforementioned plans to teach and coach, that really was his life path. But that fateful night seeing Eric Church lit something inside him, and that flame was helped along a lot by a second incident of fate that he's about to tell you about. It's one of the more improbable songwriter success stories we've had on this podcast, which makes it kind of all the more relatable. Who hasn't had the notion to put everything aside and bet on yourself? And Ray's bet definitely paid off. And it still is. Ray Fulcher now on Write You a Song. Uh, we're doing a little video hookup here, and hopefully the yep. audio is is, is good. Um, really appreciate you taking time. I know we, we had to reschedule this because you were actually in the middle of a write yesterday with somebody. And yeah. you had texted me and said, uh, we're kind of stuck on this song. And you were with an artist, I guess. And um, and, and I was just talking yeah. to you before we started. Uh, how, how did that end up, and does that happen very often where where you do get stuck in the middle of a session yeah it does and um it's uh and i, I don't have a problem setting it was uh jameson rogers if anybody's familiar with jameson sure. out there and uh he's a great he's awesome great writer one of my good buddies yeah you know kind of what i was telling you is some some songs are just kind of they just fall out and like they just have all this momentum going and then other ones you may love the idea so much that it's like well, there, you know, some ideas are just a little more, maybe uh, have a c- couple more twists and turns that you got to kind of figure out to get it right. And this one just um, could have gone one or two ways, this idea. We were just kind of trying to figure out which one was almost writing two versions of it, you know, to like figure out which one was the best for this certain idea. So just kind of, you know, I call it like when you get into that kind of stuff, it's like song surgery. You know what I mean? That's what I call it. So. <laughs> Uh, but that happens every, you know, I like to tell everybody, every song kind of has its own personality, right? How it was created. I mean, some songs are, five, you know, some songs can be three or four or five sessions and other ones for an hour. I mean, there's been super famous cases of huge life, like biggest songs in someone's career that just fall out in 45 minutes, you know, so. Yeah. Does it creatively help to just step away, clear your brain? Uh, get off of that track for a while and then revisit it with a, with a fresh approach a day or two or a week later. Yeah, it is. And that's kind of what we're doing with this one. And I think, you know, a lot of times once you, once it gets to about five or six hours in the room and, and the, sometimes time allows where you can maybe go take an hour break and eat lunch or dinner together, come back. But a lot of times it's good to just step away from it. If you get to a good start stopping place, mm-hmm. you know, um, when you're kind of in the middle of it and maybe you're in the middle of a verse or the middle of a course, it's harder to stop because you're like, you kind of want to get to that bookmark spot. But if you can get there and you, and you start to feel the fatigue a little bit, it's good to kind of just, it's better to just step away. How do you, you know? how do you know when to just give up? It ain't happening. Um, you know, I'm hard headed. It's hard. It's real hard for me to give up, but I think sometimes, you know, there's, it's I, it's almost like this instinct that you have. It's, it's hard to know. Like there's no telltale sign, but it's kind of this instinct where you go, you know, somebody in the room will just go, "Hey, y'all, y'all maybe chase something else. Let's let's find another idea." You know, even if we only get 
the idea, the bones of it today. Like, it just don't feel like it's clicking or whatever. And you just got to be kind of uh, aware enough to kind of notice that. And, you know, it's kind of like that thing, you know, just because you invested all this whatever doesn't mean you got to, like, keep going. Sometimes you got to know when to stop or when to quit, you know. So guess what? New ideas come along. They actually do right. come along if you trust your yourself, your own instincts, and your own your own creative ability. Hundred percent, they do. And you know, I think as, as you get, like you say, you get more reps under your belt, and you kind of get come to understand that where you know you're precious because you feel like there's this like uh, it's hard not to feel that there's this cap of ideas that like once you're out of ideas, you're just out and they're gone. Yeah. You know, like a bag of M and M's almost. You know what I mean? But <laughs> it's not that. You know, and I've learned that. You know, now try to kind of shift your perspective. You know, now I get some ideas in very different ways. Now I try to get them out. Uh, I'm in a season right now where I'm trying to write outside the box titles, just like things that you would not necessarily think of would be titles or titles that make you go, "Huh, what does that mean?" I want to, I want to listen to that. And so now I'm just, you know, getting trying to find those ideas, which are now there's. Now there's ideas everywhere, which is whereas before I wasn't in that same headspace. And so sometimes just shifting your perspective and all of a sudden there's this new kind of whole array of ideas sitting there that you never kind of would notice before because you weren't thinking in that way. So It keeps you engaged too, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, you have to find ways to, uh, you know, because people all the time are like, are all the songs you write from life experience? And I was like, no, I'd be, I'd be out of songs in three weeks. I mean, because there's only so much that you've been through. You have to like either make story. I mean, I just enjoy making stories up or and put myself maybe in the character or whatever. And, you know, there's times before where I've literally been just like, I can, we can't think of anything. And I'll just go stand at, stand at the window and look outside and find something that's happening and go, Hey, that guy get into his car. I wonder where he's going. And then somebody goes, well, maybe he's going here. Maybe he's going there. And somebody goes, Oh, maybe he's going somewhere. He shouldn't go. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> yeah in fact i think you had a great way of of putting this and correct me because i know i'm not going to get it exactly right but you said the difference between pop music and country music is that pop music is like the soundtrack to the film but country music is the script do i have that right, right. yeah it's, i mean something it's something in there i mean i think that uh that's what it is it's like that kind of you know i feel like kind of what you were saying the the uh the pop kind of like popular music or pop music whatever you want to call it is like that stuff that's just kind of i mean it's like everybody around the globe knows it but it's it's kind of the yeah it's like the soundtrack to everybody's life right Every, you're hearing it wherever you go whether it's the gas station or whatever you hear country music there too but i think country music just dives into that like those layers a little bit deeper to like it's basically Pop music, I feel like sometimes, and not 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 by rule, but just in general, is like the thirty thousand foot view. And then country music, to me, is kind of like zooming in on that. It's like having your Apple Map. Yeah, um, I don't want to get too far ahead. I want to start with how you got into music and wanted to become a musician because you didn't. It doesn't sound like you grew up like steeped in music, and 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 this was something that kind of hit you a little later in 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 life, right? Yeah, so for me, I mean, I, I did love music. I love country music. I love Alan Jackson, George Strait, Keith Whitley. I mean, go down the line. I loved it. Um, just never something that I thought to do because nobody in my family was like a musician. So, um, 
went to University of Georgia, was was uh, was going to school to be a football coach and a history teacher, and was going to be fine with it. And that's what I wanted to do. I was working for the football team there. And then one night I went to Georgia Theater with some buddies and saw a guy I'd never heard of at the time named Eric Church. And about halfway through his show, he played this song called Lightning. And I'll never forget, man, it hit me like a freight train. I just was like, everybody else is kind of, you know, doing the college thing where they're like talking to their friends and kind of listening and kind of not. They're happy to be here, whatever. But this song, Lightning, was like, I had never heard someone put lyrics like that in, a, in like a contemporary country song. And it just was like, and, and if you don't know, it's about a guy death row and like his face that gets in this guy's mind, like his thoughts of like regret and also what's coming next. These four walls of Farnworth are closing in on me. My final meal is over, and they're gonna set me free. I can feel the fires burning as the devil guards my Hit my knees in search of Jesus on a cold jailhouse floor. Lord, now I'm singing. Get me out of here. I see the preacher's eyes as my daughter cries. When they strap me in this chair Lord, I hope she forgives me For living my life this way Tonight I ride the lightning To my final judgment day guitar recently, or pretty shortly thereafter and uh, started just kind of learning chords and stuff and started playing some like cover shows probably a year after just around Athens there but I never when I picked up a guitar I never even wanted to play a show. I didn't even thought a thing about playing a show I just like I want to learn how to do this but it's like these one little, you know you set one little goal and then it leads to another one another one another one and so by the time gradual I stayed and got my master's by the time that rolled around and I moved back to Georgia got a teaching job offer and actually turned it down because I was so far down this road of this dream. I was like, man, I want to take this as far as we can go. And so I did some odd jobs around Augusta for a while and uh, sold cars, which one of my songs on my album is kind of about that story. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe album. And so, and then 2014, I moved to Nashville. I didn't know a soul, but I just was like, I have to go give it a shot because I'll never forgive myself. And, and, Honestly, I had no expectation. I just was like, man, even making it this far is like crazy, moving to Nashville, you know? So, so high school Ray Fulcher would not have believed how things were going to turn out for college Ray Fulcher, even it sounds like. Did you, when you picked up the guitar, was there something there? That, was there something that, that, that struck you right away that was like, I'm meant to do this, something that you couldn't maybe put your finger on? Um, I mean, I couldn't put it down because I was so enthralled with learning it, but I was not very, I'm not one of those guys that like Robert Johnson, right? Where he's like, <laughs> you know, he comes back from the crossroads and he's like this. I was not the guy that picked it up and just 
was just talented out of the box. For, uh, but I just like tried to figure it out and worked really hard figuring out. But you know, even the strum pattern and stuff. And then you realize later on that when you think about a strum pattern, you can't do it. It's just all feel, you know. So, um, but that's something again that just came to me over time and playing with people, watching people that were better than me. And, uh, but I just worked in it and continued to just believe that there was something there. And, uh, yeah, I moved to Nashville 2014, didn't know a soul, spent the first year going to every writer's round I could go to, just watching people and seeing what kind of songs they were writing and meeting new writers in town and trying to connect with them. And, uh, but my third day in town was when, out of the blue, met this guy from North Carolina who hadn't even moved to town yet, was just there sleeping on a buddy's couch who happened to be the one person I knew in town and was Luke Combs. And so we hit it off and found out he loved Eric Church as much as I did. So when he moved and set, he moved to Nashville in September of that year, we started writing and started hanging out. And uh, next thing you know, his rocket ship's taken off. I mean, but there was no reason. I mean, it wasn't like I was some, you know, Nostradamus. It was like, this guy's going to like be the, I just booked, he was a really good buddy. I, I knew he was one of the best singers I'd ever heard. And I believed in what he was doing. Even when we, when we were getting no's all across town from publishers and record labels, I still just was like, well, I want to, I want to do it with this guy. If it ain't happen, if it don't happen with him, I don't, I don't even know if I want it to happen. Cause like, this is my guy here. You know what I mean? Um, and so obviously we didn't expect the level of success out of the box that he had, but we're, you know, just, Speaking to Luke, speaking about Luke and, and uh, right now, and not just counting any other cuts I've gotten or my own stuff, but as far as um, he and I's relationship is concerned, man, we've been blown away by just the, you know the, the rocket ship that his career's been on. I've been in country radio over thirty-five years, and other than Garth and maybe Brooks and Dunn, I've never seen, and maybe Shania, I've never seen somebody just come out of nowhere and rise to the top as quickly and, and then stay there <clears throat> like, like Luke has, it has been a remarkable run. Did you know that because you talked about, you know, guitar playing didn't necessarily come natural to you. Um, writing is tough. Just writing lyrics songs is, is difficult. Did you, did you know before that, that you were a decent writer that, that you would be able to put thoughts down on paper that way? And, and or did you have to like figure that out too? No, I think that, that's the part where I was, I think, just kind of naturally given to more given and more naturally talented in that way. And I think, but not even necessarily naturally. I, looking back, I realized that I wrote so many, in my master's program, I wrote so many argumentative essays and so many things where you have to go, okay, say your point and then use these pages to like talk about it and prove it, which when I thought about songwriting, I was like, oh, I know how to do that. And so if, song, if a song is just, if the, if the idea is kind of what you're always pointing to, and you got to write lines and melodies and rhymes and all that, but it always points back to the hook. I could like picture that better than I could playing the guitar. And so the words part, the lyric part of it and the creative part of it, and always writing to like writing a line that pointed back to the main idea mm-hmm. came pretty naturally of all those things that I had done in college. Getting ready for this interview, I heard an interview with you 
and a fellow songwriter. His name is Spencer Crandall, and he's got a podcast. It's called Why Are We Here? And full credit uh, to, to him. I'd recommend anybody go listen to that podcast. Uh, he's got a whole series of them, too. I think you were episode like 21. But just really interesting to hear two songwriters, two really creative people, uh, talking back and forth and sort of spitballing. It was almost a little bit like, quote, unquote, being in the room. But one of the things that you talked about was the importance in creating an image, you know, in somebody's mind with just a few words. And that ain't easy to do. No. I mean, just being able to paint a picture with words, we call it coach. So we're talking, we'll be in the, talking about writing the chorus or writing the verse and we'll go, well, maybe, maybe the chorus is like more broad strokes or more kind of a zoom out view of kind of the big idea. And, and in the verses, we'll put, we'll, we'll put the color, meaning like the really detailed images. It's not easy, but it's also one of the most rewarding things to, because a lot of times when you paint those pictures with words, and you can do it in a detailed manner. That's that's where your songs can be unique. Do you remember the first song you wrote with Luke? Yes, uh, Beer Can was on his first album. Another picked me up like a beer can. Yeah. I've been working this job nine to five. Minimum wage and overtime. But here comes a few days of unpaid vacation and there ain't no way Jose I'll waste them cause there ain't no better feeling than when I pick up a beer can and get to feeling like Superman it's Friday night y'all here's the plan I'm gonna throw back a couple in a beer can well, I woke up and Who came up with that idea? I think, it was, I think Luke had the idea. Uh-huh. Pretty sure. We just been, before we even started writing, Luke was just kind of talking about, man, I had this song idea called, you know, uh, so I pick up a beer can and then by the end, like nothing picks me up like a beer can. And, uh, I just remember being like, that's genius, you know? So, you know, would you, let's sit down and try to write it. We wrote it and then end up being pretty cool and got made his album. Yeah. And you, you've said you love wordplay and, and you talked about how you're kind of messing around with a new way of approaching it um, right now with two of the, the greatest like single lines and songs that, that I've just will always point to is like just perfect writing. One is Dirks Bentley, uh, what was I thinking? Hood sliding like Bo Duke, which right, is just yeah. I mean, what a great freaking image. All right. For anybody who, who, you know, of a certain age who watched Duke's a hazard. And the other one is uh, a, a reference in when it rains, it pours to I won't have to see my ex future mother in law anymore. I, th- the first time I heard that, like literally the first time we played that and I had the headphones, I was like, what? That's hilarious. That was amazing. Then I want a hundred bucks on a scratch-off ticket. Bought two 12-packs and a tank of gas with it. She swore they were a waste of time. Oh, but she was wrong. I want a 
those kinds of moments in, in writing are obviously what you strive for. And do you know when, when you have a, a magic line like that? Yeah, you can kind of, um, and you don't, I mean, you don't always know if the song's a hit or not. You definitely, anybody that says they know it's a hit is like probably lying because there's been so many songs where I was like, man, this feels like a big song and it's just like never even gets cut. But you know when they have that, that, that certain hook line where you're like, boom, you just feel the magic. You're like, that's it, you know? And so while they come around like that, where everybody looks around, they're like, holy crap, that's cool. You know, so. Does that, does one magic line inspire others? Like, does that open up some kind of, you know, temporary door? I think what it does is make you want the rest of the song to be that good because it's now we've set a standard within the song, you know? So now you don't want to like be, you don't want to, you don't want to use, you don't want to have this great line in there that goes to waste because the rest of the song is mediocre. You want to kind of like bring everything, level everything up to that. You uh, had, I think uh, 21 songs uh, on Luke's first two albums. He's got a new album coming out. We actually booked this interview just before he announced the next album. Uh, and, yeah. and I assume you have more songs on there, but one of the things I wanted to, to talk to you about is, uh, again, in that podcast interview I referenced, you talked about how, and I've had other songwriters uh, say the same basic thing. You found success when you quit trying to do what Nashville wanted. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I just remember there was this moment where, and, and really, I have to say, it's kind of Luke and I had this moment where I remember we had a conversation where, he had, he had gotten turned down by all the publishers in town. And so had I, and they basically were like, you know, these songs are good, man. They're awesome. But like, they just keep working. And we're like, man, if these ain't, if these don't do it, I mean, I don't know what we have that will. And so we just were like, man, we don't even, I can't, we can't figure out the rules here or like what they're looking for. So instead of doing that, let's just do what, what we want to do and what we feel like we're best at see where the chips fall because at the end of the day if it don't work we want to look back and go man at least we wrote a bunch of stuff that we liked and we're proud of instead of writing stuff that we didn't like because we were chasing something that we didn't even we were chasing the tail we couldn't even see you know and so it was like in that moment where we just kind of doubled down on what we were doing the funny thing about that is i remember the and luke told this story before the link of songs that he was taking to these publishers at the time, which I think was heading this link, when it rains, it pours, hurricane, one number away, and memories are made of, which is another song's album. So he had three number ones in this link, and it all got turned down because but you can't blame them because at the time it was like not what was popular in Nashville. Yeah. And so you look back and you go, man, how were they so crazy? Well, they didn't hear it because it wasn't was on the radio at the time, you know? And so what, 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 um, what years are you talking about there? Was that right at the height of the bro country era? 2015 probably. And, and people wanted more of what was already successful. I've noticed that that's, that's music in general. It's not just country. You know, somebody comes through and, and, and breaks new ground and they do it because they're different, but then the right. industry immediately wants a hundred clones just like that. Right, they go, yeah, shit, I shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think Luke does so well, and it's thanks in part to your 
writing with him is he, other than maybe John Party, he straddles contemporary and traditional country music about as well as anybody. Like, yeah. it really has found that line. And, you know, it, it just, obviously, it's just, it, it just is because of who he is. And it's kind of the same thing with John. It's just, I don't think you could make either of those artists be anything other than who they are. And audiences, fans, see that authenticity. Right. I think people are, there's this thing, I think, with people that, like, they might not even know it, that it's happening. It's a subconscious thing, and they pick up on authenticity, you know. They just love it. They pick up on it. And I think it's something to be aware of, um, you know, in, in your writing and artistry and stuff. And obviously, I'm an artist with my own record deal and all that stuff, too. But that's something that I'm always striving to do and striving to be. Um, but guys like you just talked about are, I mean, kind of the standard right now of being, just being themselves, you know. And so, being really transparent with that and just like, hey, yeah, when he looks at the second album, what you see is what you get. And that's very aptly named, you know, for him. So. Um, yeah, no kidding. Uh, one more question about you and Luke basically sticking to your guns uh, when, when you were in Nashville. Did you did you do that with complete belief in yourself and knowing, or were you just like, we ain't got any other choice. We're just going to do this. Yes and no. We have complete belief in the songs, and we believed in the songs, and we were proud of them. We thought they were good enough. We thought they were great. Also, knowing that that might not matter. That may not be enough. You know what I mean? So in in the grand scheme of Nashville, that may not matter, you know, because you hear it all the time. And it's true. It's true. It's so much about timing as an artist, as a, you know, as a songwriter and stuff. And, um, and sometimes something that you were doing – 10 years ago or five years ago, maybe the thing that is in now, but if you don't, you know, if you hadn't survived to that point, it's like, you don't know, you know, and so there was no, there's no way to, there was no way for us to know whether it would actually pay off, but we felt like these songs are great and we're going to keep doing this. It's kind of like being a cave explorer and you find some pathway back deep in the cave and you start following and you have no idea where it's going to go, but you've got faith that may go somewhere. Oh, it is. Yeah, true. I mean, you just don't know where it's going to go, but you just kind of show up every day and do your best and put your best foot forward and, and hope for some good news at some point. You know, so. and, and you mentioned this just a moment ago, and you are you you do have a a, a solo uh, career, and and you've got an album out and some EPs, and you've got some really great songs um, you know, of your own, and and you've got a terrific singing voice as well. Did you back to you know high school? Ray Fulcher, did you sing then to anything other than the radio? Did you know you had a good voice? Because you do, you have one of those real cool kind of unique voices. I'd love to see you in a bar. Yeah, you know, I uh, no, I didn't know, and, and honestly, I, I had to work really hard on it to be what it is now. And I feel like I'm, I'm continuing to try to improve and progress there vocally. Um, but no, I mean, I sang in the truck, you know, along the, with Alan Jackson stuff, you know, whatever was on the radio. But no, I didn't like sing i mean i was scared to death to sing in front of people at first and even when i started i look back at it i'm like man i had a long way to go but i worked at it you know and and, and have continued to work at it and so you know luke i say i mean that guy was born to sing you know what i mean and that guy just came out like just born to sing and uh you know and i think some people have that in them but it takes some chiseling away to like get to that point and so 
and always I still feel like I'm chiseling, but I'm like light years better singer than I like when I first started singing. So. Mm-hmm. All right, I want to throw some uh, songs at you, and just if there's a backstory to them, uh, share it with it. Well, let's start with a, a couple of years. One, you mentioned this earlier, you sold used cars for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I came up with that song idea kind of when I was working at the car lot in Augusta, Georgia, when I was kind of trying to decide if I was moving to Nashville or not. And so I just held on to that idea until like 2018 and started, you know, I wrote it with the Warren Brothers and Lance Miller. And I told them when we got done, I said, man, like my life in a song that I ever play the Grand Ole Opry, I'm going to play this song. I'm going to finish my set with just me and a guitar, just like I saw Eric Church that night. I'm going to send the Opry band off. And that's that, June 25th, 2021, I made my Opry debut. and got to play that song by myself. I did not make it all the way through without crying. I did not because Opry's like, you know, bucket list and all. And, but I did, yeah, that song I got to date. I mean, nobody heard it at all until I debuted it. Opry, so. Working on commission on a pre-owned lot. I was East Georgia wishing I'd make a living with a flat top. I knew my heart couldn't put roots down here. The night I saw Chief Life sing lightning my senior year. And oh, that's how it goes. The start of a story is still getting told. And I'm six strings deep in a long neck, long shot. Weekend on all night scene. And these half-empty rooms don't give a damn about the dues I'm paying Or the new songs that I'm playing There's no guarantees this dream will ever see the other side of this bar But it sure beats the hell out of selling cars And you got a standing ovation, didn't you? I did, man. It's great. I barely remember that because I was like, <laughs> a crazy moment, you know. But it happened, yeah. All right, another one that just uh, just struck me is just a good, solid, almost a, a '90s throwback country song. Girl in it. Yeah, girl in it. Uh, wrote that on, on uh, back in 2020, and uh, it was really cool for me to be able to kind of flip the switch in that song, where like, you know, it's you can't get them out of your mind in a good way. And then by the end, it, when something happens and, and, and it doesn't work out, she's still in there just in a different way, kind of driving you crazy. They're wild, they make poor swings and half-carried rings. Carolina sunsets and California kings. If your heart's on fire, if everything's spinning, if you're going out of your mind. And one more of, of your songs was actually written by somebody else that you kind of admire, uh, The Battle for Betty's Love. Yeah. Uh, what's crazy about that is I think, to my knowledge, only five people have gotten to record Eric Church songs. That's Eric Church, Terry Clark, Thurban, Morgan Wallen, and me. And so uh, the way that happened is I called my publisher one day. I was just like, hey, he used to work at Sony where Eric used to write when he first moved to town. And I was like, do you have any old, just old Eric Church work tape demos that I can just hear, just listen to? I just want to hear them. And he sent a link over, and this one just kept poking out. And finally, one day, I just was like, man, why don't we just add? Because we have the Dustin Me song that he wrote on. I'm sorry, he sang on, but I wrote with Luke. And so we had met a couple of times, and I'm like, it don't hurt to ask. All you know, worst he can say is no, and that's okay. I kind of expected a no. But he was like, 
my, my producer, John Singleton, called him. He was like, remind me of what song that? He didn't remember the song. And then uh, he sent it to him and listened to it. He goes, yeah, man, I'd be honored. Send me cut. So. Cut a story four years ago. Face to face on an old abandoned road. I said, cross that line and I'll bust your mind. Frankie was a friend of mine. Raised just north of that Hazard County line. We were like brothers. The Betty's family migrated south. Yes, it felt the same way as me. Fist to fist under a sycamore tree. We were soldiers in an unsettled war. And that song is so incredibly, that's another one of those songs that, that Church does so well. It's it's a story song, and it yep. is, it's like a Tennessee Williams play in, in four minutes. When, when, you, when you see a song like that from somebody else, do you learn something from it? Well, the reason I love that song is just, it's so quintessential Church, even just the way it's sung. And that's why I love it so much, and that's why I love getting to sing it, because I'm already because I so so because I so love what he does. It was really easy for me to pick up on what like how to sing that song because it's textbook church, which I I thought was the best the coolest thing about it. So. Another song that uh, as a dad, um, I was listening to it the other day, first time I'd heard it, and I actually put it on pause and I called my son because I just wanted yeah. to tell him I loved him and, and, and just to talk to him. And it's, uh, I love you, son, go dogs. And it's about a message. Did your dad actually leave that message? Um, one very similar to that. And uh, it, it, the biggest thing is in the fall, me and my dad talk about two things, Georgia football and deer hunting. And so it's just a way of like, and so the big thing with that song is like, that's our thing, but everybody has their thing with somebody. And that's what I hope to kind of get across is like, even if, even if, I mean, you could be a Florida fan and hate Georgia, which they do. And that's fine. You should as a Florida fan, but it wasn't about the Georgia Bulldogs as much as it was about that was mine and my dad. That's mine and my dad's thing. And so I was hoping that people would hear through the dogs and they did, which is really cool. Somewhere in the middle, I wake too many voicemails. There's one that says daddy and it never fails. Remind me of that little town Cause when the crowd is gone and the lights are out I'm just an old boy from GA Still loves to hear his daddy say The weather's been good but it could rain a little more I finally got tired of the sin now back and sold that for The preacher left us for a bigger church I think me and Uncle Joe gonna try to make the show in Atlanta. And that coach up in Athens got them boys playing pretty good ball. Anyway, I love you, son. Go, dog. 
All right, uh, let's go with some of uh, the songs that you've written with Luke and, and some of the other uh, writers in your in your circle. Um, let's start with Even When I'm Leaving. We were struggling trying to find something to write that day. And then I remember the, the guy that we were writing it with, Wyatt Durrett, he had a son that was going to college, I think, like the next year or two years later. And he was like, man, it's kind of creeping up on me. I kind of, I want to write a song. If y'all are up to it, I want to write a song. But kind of to my son, let me know that even when I'm not there, I'm always going to be there for him. And we just like, and Luke and I were just like, hey, yeah, man, well, we'd love to do that. And so started writing it. And the next thing you know, we had this song that was just this crazy tearjerker. And, uh, you know, we wound up, like I said, being a four-week number, five-week number one, the country radio, and a... Uh, Daddy, I'm afraid Won't you stay a little while Keep me safe Cause there's monsters right outside Daddy, please don't go I don't want to be alone Cause the second that you're gone They're gonna know Before he went to bed He grabbed my hand just cause I'm leaving, it don't mean it I won't be right by your side When you need me, you can't see me How about loving on you? Yeah, so we were in. Uh, that's the first song that we wrote. That we were. I was on tour with him in his first like club tour back 2017. I was the opener, and uh, but he had a bus, and so I got up on the bus with him and Thomas Archer and James McNair. And I remember we're in Kansas City. We ate barbecue that day. And I remember we forever couldn't come up with like something to write for like an hour and a half. Getting to that point you were talking about where we just go, maybe we just pack it in for the day kind of thing and try it tomorrow. Um, and then as a Hail Mary at the end, I had this melody in my phone that I just was like, this sounds cool. I don't know what it is. And I just went, I had this little title beside it. And I just went, Luke, what if we did something like, you know, I don't know where, I don't know if it's a chorus or what, but I'm in love and he was like why didn't you say that an hour and a half ago <laughs> once we got on that it was like 45 minutes. I mean it was something bad don't give me wrong I like a bobber on the water hooking up and reeling a man I like a Friday night slow ride Brooks and Dumb
how thrilling was it for you to have Eric freaking Church record one of your songs talking about Does to Me? Pretty surreal for both Luke and I because he's, mm-hmm. he's our hero. Luke was at a point then where he was big enough to kind of make that ask. And I think Eric was Eric saw what, what Luke was doing it was cool, which is also super cool for us to, to know and hear. Um, but he just, it was simple as asking him. And he's like, yeah, I don't do that a whole lot, but I'll do it. And I remember Luke calling me and I didn't even believe him at first. I was just like, quit messing me. And then, yeah, for him to be on that song and it was a two-week number one, it's like, I mean, that's something you can hang your hat on forever. There's a worn out blade that my granddaddy gave me. My mama's first Bible that is Don Williams' mind. First fish catching zip cold 33. Well, that might not mean much to you, but it does to me. So say I've been middle of the road, not much to show. But it does to me. Oh, it does to me. Oh, man, it does to me. Ray, thank you so much for taking time. Absolutely. This has been a, a, a blast. And, and again, the thing that I love about this, and the thing I, that, that I hope people who listen uh, take away from it, is the approach to the creative process. It's it's different with every single writer that we talk to, but there are common elements too that, yep. that run throughout. And one of them is that there was a quote I was going to, you actually made me think of this quote and it's from John Mellencamp. And it, <clears throat> he said, uh, the problem with most people is they quit too early. Right. I, I would wholeheartedly say that my gift is being hardheaded and, and being, you know, trying to be the guy that's not going to get out work. And I think that's, you know, a lot I think of, of I, I still have a long way that I want to go, but to get to where I've been, um, to where I am, you know, I'm definitely not the most talented guy in the, in the town, but that I work pretty hard. So you realize you just said another possible song title. What's that? I got a long way to go to get to where I've been. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Love you so much, Ray. I appreciate the time. Hey, thank you, my friend. Not really sure Ray was impressed with my songwriting idea, but hey, he's the hit maker. And that will do it for this episode of Write You a Song. Thanks again to Ray Fulcher, and thank you for listening. And remember, if you like this podcast, please share it with others. Please give it a quick review and subscribe. Next time, we're going to take a little detour and talk with a singer-songwriter who is more folk and Americana than mainstream country. He is damn good. But we're going to focus on a project he's working on that started when he began playing his music to prisoners. He's played over 50 prisons across America, and it's taken his songwriting in an entirely different and incredibly raw and honest direction. His name is Matt Butler, and you'll meet him next time on Write You a Song.